Welcome to the Church Doctors Podcast with Scott and Marla Thanks for joining us on the Church Doctors Podcast. The Church Podcast. Doctors Podcast is brought more to you by Outpouring or to International. Us, please God, visit our website at outpouring.intl.com. That's right, and one of the ways that we love people is doing this podcast. Welcome, Marla. Hi, this is Marla. Hi. And, <laughs> Throwing me off there, and Scott. And this is Scott, and uh, we're doing part two of our missions trip to the Ukraine. Yeah. So um, if you didn't hear the first part, uh, go back and listen to it. Uh, we're telling the good, bad, and ugly. We're being raw about it, and we're going to tell you the truth and uh, the funny things that happen and the sad things. And uh, when we left last week or where we left off, we were in um, – a village called Priluki, and it's on the eastern side of Ukraine, uh, near the borders of Ukraine and Russia. And we have only, at this point, we have only done one uh, outreach, and that was to a hospice floor. And but we spent four day, five actually, if you count the hour to drive to this little town, uh, days driving just to get to our first place. And it was a really uh, physically taxing uh, mission strip. We've been on lots of them, and this was probably the hardest one we've ever done. Yeah, and so here we but are. But we we're ready to go back. We're uh, <laughs> we're in the city of uh, Perluki uh-huh. in the uh, eastern part of the Ukraine, northeastern part. It's a uh, kind of straight east from the nation's capital, and and not too far from the Russian border. Right. And uh, we're there with uh, Pastor Igor and Svetlana and mm-hmm. their daughter. And uh, now we're going back into town to minister to uh, uh, a couple outreaches. that they, This church does outreaches like yeah. crazy. Yeah. Uh, but and, first, uh, wait, we had to stop and have lunch. And they wanted to take us and have our, a real Ukrainian lunch. They wanted to treat us. And remember, we went to that quirky little restaurant that was was looked like a yeah, submarine. They tried to inside. spoil us, and and they were honoring us with yes. this, this. It was the nicest place in town. It was it was so cool. This this underground submarine kind of looking yeah, restaurant. The guy that owned the restaurant was a mechanically minded guy, and so his idea for the restaurant was to have each room be a theme. And so the room that we got to be in was uh, like a submarine. Uh, he took all control panels and, uh, uh, you know, what are the... the I don't know. All the little things that you would see on the inside of a submarine, they were there. I mean, what do you you call the the things they shoot out of the submarine? They were hanging from the ceiling. Torpedoes? The torpedoes that had been, you know, disassembled. And so you could see the insides of the torpedoes, the little engines and the little propeller and all the things. Mm -hmm. It was really, you know... It was fun. The bell, to ring the bell, you know, and... uh, And um, and we got to try uh, real Ukrainian food, which we'd already been eating, but uh, yeah. they wanted to make sure that we had the national favorites. And the number one favorite thing I think that Ukrainians love to eat is called sala. Yeah. And yeah, they love that. Oh, my goodness. And so, of course, they're going to serve it to us right? because that's their favorite thing. So here we are. We're at, we're at lunch. There's salad. There's coffee. You know, there's... You know all the all the normal all the things, things that you would have. But we for have lunch. to have sala. But here's this sala on the plate, and you know we had uh, thankfully looked it up on the internet because we heard about it to find out what it was, and 
what it is is the you know when you get thick cut bacon at the store and maybe toward the end of that cut there might be a strip that doesn't have any meat in it that's sala it's just the solid fat. white fat off of the the bacon cut of of the pig and they take this uh uncooked raw piece uh-huh, of fat uh-huh. and uh they're pretty good sized piece <laughs> and they like to put it on bread, bread. and put a piece of garlic, a on little top. bit of garlic, or you know something, or an onion. A, a little bit of onion on top, and they eat it. Oh, and they just inhale it. They love it. And and, and for we, us, we're just and like, they're looking oh, at us, waiting to see goodness. if we like it or not. And so Marla ate some. I tried it. I ate and, the whole uh, thing. I did it. So then, for the rest of the trip, they were they would laugh every time we would bring up Sala because they they, they, they that already that knew that we were not. We found that out one. later that they already know that Americans don't like it, <laughs> and I think they were just waiting to see if we were going to be our reaction would one be. of them too. So but I did. I ate it. You didn't. No, I, mm. I don't want to eat yeah, raw fat. I did that, but anyway, I did that for the for the cause. But anyway, so we did. Th- we had this fun lunch, and then. We were actually running a little bit behind, so we got to the next event, which was another outreach. Uh, it was two groups. It was a group of disabled people and a group of blind people. There was over a hundred of them, um, and they had already actually started when we came in. So we really didn't know anything about it other than it was just these two groups. Yeah, and uh, so I. Uh, preached an encouraging message to them, and I'm listening to the Spirit of God. You know, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to pray for them? Do you want me to lay hands on them, prophesy? What do they need? And I was really struggling. But wait, you know, we did something else first. Remember, we started off, wasn't this the place where I hugged everybody first? Maybe. Probably, yeah. I don't know. I can't remember. I don't know. Anyway, keep going. I think it was the church service. Yeah, and so... Um, I look over at Marla and I'm like, Marla, what do you, th-? you know, we do this a lot. You know, we partner together in ministry. So I'm like, are you, what are you hearing? What do you think we should do? And she's looking at me like, well, and I'll let her tell the rest. Yeah, <laughs> I had kept hearing while we were, while he was ministering the name Lubia or Luba, something like that. And now you have to understand, I am really bad at languages. Um, and so for me to keep hearing this what I knew, I just knew it was a name, but I couldn't really say it. And I kept hearing, I said, well, ask, have the interpreter ask if there's someone here by the name of Luba or Lubia, and maybe there, maybe you have a word for them. And, and so the interpreter asked, and sure enough, one lady in the thing, uh, in the, in the room raised her hand and said, my name is Luba. Yeah, and, and so, so what, you had a word what, for. So what this is is it's an operation of a word of knowledge put together with prophecy. So she had a word of knowledge of who needed the prophecy, and then the Lord gave me a word to encourage this woman, and I uh, laid hands on her and prophesied over her, and, and, and tears were coming down their eyes, and they were crying. And so then, so then it I'm happens thinking, again. Well, yeah, I'm thinking, wow. That's cool. Let me lean in and listen some more. Maybe there's another name I'm supposed to hear. Well, I hear the name Richard and um, or some kind of a, a form of that. That's what I could figure out. And so I said it to the interpreter again, and she says, well, that's not a that's not a name here in the Ukraine. I said, oh, well, ask someone. I say, I feel like it's a man's name, like like Richard. Just ask. So she asks 
And it was quiet for a few seconds. And then finally, someone, ra- a woman raised her hand and she said, could it be a surname? Last name, yeah. And But she said surname, which, you know, I had said it, it was a man's name, surname. And um, and it could it be, and then she said the name and it was real close to Richard, but I don't remember what it was. And I'm like, yeah, that's the name I heard. And so Scott gave once again. Turns out it's another woman and I prophesy over her. Same thing happens. They just get really touched. I'm looking at the pastor and they're like, wow, this is cool. And, uh, and so it happens a third time, and I can't even remember. It turns the name. out to be a man a in man, the back, it was, it was and I, I prayed for him. Yeah. And so then the uh, it was a short uh, outreach service, and so we pray, you know, prayed a blessing over the people. the The church again hands out More bags food. and bags mm-hmm. of uh, food to bless the people. Come to find out, these two groups were used to be government supported, and they lost all their government support. And this church picked them up and is loving them. So mm-hmm. there's there's three things that we know for sure that they're doing in the community. And this is a <laughs> tiny little church. Yeah, it's not uh, we very found big. out later they don't have they the, don't have the money to do this. The pastor and his daughter and his wife all work, and they are the ones that are mostly paying for all mm-hmm. of this which was pretty humbling to right, find out. Right. And so uh but come to find out the first two ladies that you prophesied over were each the leaders of each of those yeah. groups. So through a word of knowledge God picked out the the leaders of these two separate groups and 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 they needed encouragement because during this wartime everybody's Families have got, left the city and then come to find out people that were f- closer to the Russian border have come to this city. And so people are all mixed up and sent all over the place, displaced. They call them refugees, but they're from their own nation. They just have have had to move cities. Which is very um, unlike Ukrainians because they told us that when you get land or build a house, you're there for your entire life. This yeah. is not a roving, it's you know, a, moving It's your life's purpose to community. get this property and build a big, nice house that all of your family and extended family can stay in. That's kind of how they do it. So they have uh, relatively large houses, uh, unless they're super old, but... But we saw some small houses too. Yeah, but, but most for of them the most big. part, We're like, they wow. build really big multi-floor houses, and they just keep building on and on. Yeah, and, on. and for them to have to leave all that and relocate, it's it's a big deal. Yeah. So we ministered to those people, um, and went back to the hotel, and that was on. I want to say that was Saturday because the next day was Sunday, and we went to the church. Uh, we ministered there. Um, and that's where, that's where I'm pretty sure that's where I hugged everybody. We went, so this church service started, you know how, um, it was very traditional. In fact, every village in Ukraine, as soon as you drive in, the first thing you see is massive Orthodox or Roman Catholic churches. I mean, they're ornate, they're just top of the line, everything's perfect on them. And then all the homes are like concrete run down yeah, type so, looking. And and in the Ukraine, these Orthodox or or Catholic churches, uh the outsides of some of them, maybe the Orthodox ones mainly had gold yeah. domes, like three yeah. gold domes that were shiny gold. Oh yeah. And so you drove through this village That's all you can see. And here's this huge uh, spire uh building, you know, uh amazing 
architecture and craftsmanship, but uh, they focus on the building and not on God because yeah. there's nothing happening in any of those places. They're all they're all pretty much dead religion. But uh, every community, every little tiny, even a postage stamp place where it's just a maybe a phone booth and a dog right? alongside the road, there would be a <laughs> there would be a tiny little maybe a sh- a small version of yeah. one like a like a shed. Yeah, but it would be. Very ornate, yeah. and it, had, it would have a gold dome on uh-huh, it. Uh-huh. And so um, that's the spiritual battle that's going on there is the older generation that li- has lived through the Soviet occupation. They've been taught that this is the accepted church, and the church got right. accepted because of the government said right, it was. Right. And so these people that uh, the churches that we visited, their Holy Spirit led you know, on fire people for Jesus. You know, Christians uh-huh. and with people going to the church, doing church, right. you know, doing biblical outreach and and loving people. It was so, such a stark contrast because we went inside some of those yeah. Orthodox churches, and it was like, ooh, yeah, it was like a, it was almost like being inside. To me, it was inside of a really ornate crypt, yeah, where you yeah. would bury somebody, but yeah. you wouldn't worship Jesus no. there, like. Uh-uh. Like you would mourn there, right? And that's what it felt it, like. Yeah, extremely beautiful paintings, yes. craftsmanship, amazing, but uh, not the spirit of God. Yeah, and uh, so we went to the Sunday morning service, and it was traditional. Um, you know, uh, sing the song, do the announcements, you know, that kind of thing. And typically, um, if Scott's going to be ministering, he'll have me get up and greet the congregation and say whatever I feel on my heart or whatever. And um, so I was sitting there and I, I was like, you have to understand that the, the people don't have a lot of hope right now. And you can feel that you can feel the heaviness of, of the war and the struggle that they're walking through. And I was like, wow, I just feel like I need to change the atmosphere. Otherwise, Scott's going to get up and it's just going to, it's just going to be another service. And, um, so I got up and I, and I just said, you know what? I want to, my goal here in the Ukraine is to hug as many Ukrainians and as I possibly can. And so could we, everybody just stand up, form a line, can we turn some fast music on and I'm going to hug everybody real quick. You should have seen everybody at first. They're looking around like, is this okay? Yeah. Are we? <laughs> and the sound guys, he, he's like, Oh my gosh, I have to do something. <laughs> and it, it took everybody so off guard. And yet it was such a loving gesture with Mar- Marla standing up there with her arms open, like, okay, go. Like they couldn't like, yeah. okay, it's on. Yeah. You know, all it is is a hug. You could right. see him processing all this. And all of a sudden, Smiles started erupting on these people who I feel like they're living from minute to minute, not day by day. Yeah. Like they're waiting. What's this minute going to be like? Yeah. What's this minute? And that's how on edge they are. And when when the hugs started getting passed out, joy filled the room. Hope came in. And for for at least for them, those moments and, and the rest of the service, I think, their minds weren't on anything except for God's good. Yeah. Like, he still loves me. I can still, ha- there's still hope. There's still a future. And uh, for them, that's, again, that, you know, that's the predominant message that we brought that um, I we did so many messages. I can't remember exactly what I said <laughs> there, but uh, one neat 
testimony from that pastor is, is back in September, him and his wife prayed and said, God, we really feel a a need to have the gifts of the Spirit expressed through our church. Would you please send somebody here yeah. to help us with that? Yeah. And we're the first ministers that showed up uh, since the war started and since they prayed, and we flow in the gifts of the Spirit. I prophesy words of knowledge. We lay hands on the sick, and they recover. And so, and we teach people to hear the voice of God. So, <laughs> and, and to do that. And so it was um, very, you know... If you're living minute by minute, you don't look very far down the the road for the future. And yet these two people uh, pastoring that church, they're looking down the road. They're planning ahead. You know, we need to have a congregation that understands the gifts of the Spirit. And so they ask God for that. And here we show up. And here we show up (laughs) while the war is still going on, and and, and, uh, God said yes to them. It was fun. And it was so neat because... they would just ask all kinds of questions about it. How do, how do we do this? And, and you need to understand too, that just like um, when we lived in Oklahoma and there was tornado warnings on our phone um, and, and there's other kind of warnings that people get on their phone. They had, I don't know what you want to call it, war warnings. And uh, to let the people know, Hey, you need to take shelter. You need to, you're in a bad spot. You're, you know, whatever. And those warnings are going off on their phones all the time. That's when, when that's like when Scott's saying they're living minute to minute, they don't know when their phone's going to go off. They're not far from the Russian border. And, um, so that, that really puts play, puts a, puts a pressure on them that's extra than that most people don't have to deal yeah, with. Yeah. I mean, there's missiles that went off apparently went off Mark and landed clear in Poland and hit a tractor and blew a tractor up in, during the war. And so these missiles can reach, you know, way beyond where the, where the army's physically at. And so they don't, they have to pay attention to what's going on. That's, and yet they still do go to the coffee shop. They still have to yeah. go to the grocery store. Right. They still, a lot of people they, walking their we babies. We saw people in their do it, getting married, yeah. brides in their yeah. wedding gowns and, yeah. Uh, two of them, matter of fact, get, at the hotel we were on. at mm-hmm. uh, in one weekend, two weddings, yeah. and and yet the war's still going on. And so it was a, it was kind of fun. We noticed, uh, you know, normally you would go, oh, there's dancing and party and going on and right below us, our at, room at and, the hotel. And we're, we're exhausted, <laughs> and it would be really nice to get a good oh, night's sleep. Yeah. And yet Marla and I both were like. Wow, it's it's so refreshing to see them rejoice and just to cut loose and have fun, even yeah. though they've got to go back to we right. know we know what's next. They got to, yeah, they still have to deal with it. Yeah, and so we and dealt so, with the yeah. we let them we let them we didn't have say anything. Have a party <laughs> yeah, all night long if you want. Us. We don't care. So we did the service. It was amazing. Um, lots of prophetic word operating in the gifts and praying for people. Um, I can't remember if there was salvations at that church or not. We had so many different types of services and salvations and healings and such that I've lost track. But um, after that, they took us for a a beautiful stroll through the village and looking at the... Saw some of the history of their area. And they have uh, lots of statues, which of course they've now um, covered up because they're being ruined. They sandbag basement windows and their monuments and things to try to protect them. And uh, so then the next day we, oh no, we did a service that night with their leaders. Oh yeah, we did. We they wanted they added another service. Yeah, we asked them because they said 
to flow to to learn about the gifts. And that's what we talked about is prophecy. We let them ask any kind of questions they wanted to ask. Um, and so that was a really good night with They asked a training, lot of questions about training praying with faith. Yeah. Praying for your relatives. How do you pray in this kind of situation? Uh, yeah. And it, so it was very good to help um, equip the saints to do the work of the ministry mm-hmm. is what that is. Mm-hmm. I love that part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the next morning we got up and now we've got to travel back and we only went four hours um, to Kiv, the, the capital. and um, Five million people live there. Yeah, my, yeah, and we didn't actually go straight to our room at that point. They actually took us to a place called Bucha. It's a village, and we. This is a bombed village where we went around and talked to people and brought more humanitarian aid to each one. Um, you know, rice and flour and oil and oatmeal and you know f- foods like that. And uh, uh, the first place that we went to was uh, a little a little neighborhood where um, ha- it had been bombed. And the first house that we went to, and I can't remember the lady's name, but um, she and her husband her were at home. And the Russians came in. They took her husband out into the yard, and they tortured him, and they killed him, left him, bombed their house, or destroyed her home. And, um, she didn't know what was going on because she was down in the root cellar. Right. She comes up, finds, finds everything destroyed, finds her husband who'd been tortured and killed. And she digs a hole and buries him and, uh, in her garden, in her garden. And, uh, you know, she's living in this, in the ruins, because what do you do when you're when you don't have? Yeah, so, what do you do? There's no government assistance. So all the windows are gone. the The walls are so broken uh, that they are condemned. the The buildings are going to fall over at some point. Yeah, and and yet for five months or so they had to live they in these there. structures because there there wasn't any help yet. Yeah, and, and uh, so she, and about, this was during the winter. Yeah, this is during winter, <laughs> and about three. This is a village that surrounds the capital because that's what the Russians were doing. They were going in and trying to occupy the little villages all around the capital city. And um, so so about three weeks after she had buried her husband, I guess the village came up with a plot of land that you were supposed yeah, to bury. Yeah, a neighboring dead, city or something, something came up with a morgue. Yeah, yeah. and so she she dug her husband up, put him in a wheelbarrow, and... Pushed him pushed to the drop-off drop spot. spot. Yeah. And, and she was so bitter, so yeah. angry, so uh, she has no hope. Yeah, you, she had nothing. You you talk about, okay, what do you say? Yeah. I mean, how, do you, okay, how do you minister to someone like that? Here we are. We're living in America, and we complain about not having this or not having that, or, oh, our government's making all this decision or that decision, and and... You know, we're, we we have first world problems here, but man, you go over there and you talk to that lady. Yeah. And you're, you're the one that God sent to stand in front of her. And it, it, if, if that doesn't change your heart and make you cry out to God and go, you're still God. This lady still can hear your voice. She can still be touched by you. What do I say? I mean, you cry out to God inside and that's what I did. And, uh, 
So she allowed us to pray for her, and I just looked her in the eyes and told her, look, you can you can still have hope. I, I, I don't understand any of the pain that you're going through. I haven't I haven't had that. I said, but I, I tried to connect with her heart. I said, but my wife and I have lost a child, uh, an unborn child, and uh, you know, and we've lost relatives before, so I know what it's like a little bit. And so when I said that, she looked up at me like, oh, like he's not just this American coming to get a photo op. Yeah. He really loves me. Yeah. Kind of just a little, yeah. little quick glance. And so I prayed for her and encouraged her and she cried and, and, uh, I remember everything we do is through an interpreter too. Yeah. So it's extra And at extra this point hard. she's got a temporary, uh, Poland came in and house helped them. to live in like a, like a, like a FEMA house that we would be yeah. uh, familiar with. But it's uh, right there on our property. Little, little, little small thing with a bathroom and a kitchen. But still, they don't know how long they get to keep the trailer. They don't have any way to rebuild. <laughs> yeah. And her neighbors across the street and around her are in the same situation. We walked After we were done with her, we walked across the street to another lady. Her name was Svetlana. And she used to bake bread for everybody in her little neighborhood so we took extra flour and gave her extra flour so she could keep some oil yeah and you know you walk into her her demolished home it's you know the walls have mold on them they she's got poles um log poles holding holding her ceiling up so that she can be in there she's alone um uh and she you know she was just before we left, she wanted to make sure we had candy. She wanted to give us she candy. She gave us a candy bar. <laughs> and and uh, so it was neat to see the the ones who chose to look at life that way seemed a lot happier. Mm-hmm. That they have something to give and they didn't stop giving. And um, when we ministered to that group of ladies, it ended up being uh, like seven or eight of them came together and we gave him them some bags of food and uh, also, and uh, got to pray for them together in a group. And uh, some of them, you could tell, have been just sitting, waiting, and doing nothing, giving away. But the ones who took the situation and decided, you know, that doesn't change me. I'm going to still bake bread and give right. it to everybody. And she seemed the, the happiest of the bunch. Yeah, but she never smiled. But yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you could tell it wasn't, right. wasn't gloom and doom. I mean, there were there were some that just stood there and, and bawled. Yeah. They just put their hands in their head in yeah. in uh, their the old, face in their hands and the just bawled. The old babushkas. Yeah. 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 I mean, what, think about it. What do you do? How do if the government's not helping them rebuild, and you're old, and the war's still going on, and where do you get the finances? Where? How do you rebuild? What yeah. do you do? So we just encourage them: have faith in God. Keep keep looking at Him for your help. Yeah. And uh, so. We we went from there to uh, not too far away, same village, uh, where there was an apartment, a group of apartment complexes that have been hit very hard. Like one of them demolished and fell all the way down in the middle. Yeah. You, you know what? Let's wait and share that next week because we're at the end of our time and there's okay. so much to share about that one. <laughs> so yeah. uh, join us next week. We'll... I think we'll only be on like day six or seven of our 16 day trip. (laughs) Continue to pray for the people of Ukraine. They're still suffering. They still don't know what's going to, the outcome's going to be. The war's been going on for like eight, 
18 months or something, over a year. No, over a year, just over a year. And so uh, pray for them. And if you want to, you know, I'm just to say this, if you want to give financially to help over there, we have connections, and you can go to our website at outpouringintl.com, and you can donate and say, you know, Ukraine, and we will get the money to them 100% um, to help them uh, continue to minister on a 24 hours, seven day a week uh, mission that they're on. All right. So uh, we bless you and, and encourage you to be someone else's hope today, too. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us on the Church Doctors Podcast. For more information or to contact us, please visit our website at outpouringintl.com.